Thank you so much for joining us today for our LifePoint podcast. At LifePoint, we believe everyone's welcome, nobody's perfect, and with God, anything's possible. Hope you enjoy. Well, good morning, LifePoint Church. How you guys doing? That was just a a tad slow, man, a tad slow. You guys need some pre-workout, man. Come on, that's the new age thing. It's not about coffee anymore. It's about your BCAAs and whatnot. Well, my name is Andrew Garcia, and I am one of the teaching pastors here at LifePoint. And uh, we are in man month right now. And if you're a guest with us and you're kind of like tears for fears at the beginning, what's going on? I think that's right. I don't know. I'm not that old. (laughs) That's messed up. Just kidding. Uh, yeah, so if, you, if you're like, what is happening right now? It's, we're just having a good time. It's man month where we highlight and celebrate biblical manhood uh, because we believe that God has called us to play the men, to be the men that he has created us to be, and it's, it's a lot of fun. We get to have uh, a blast breaking some rules. Um, our senior pastor, Danny Rivers, is in California Right now, he was invited to preach um, at a church over there, and while he's knocking out of the park over there, we're just going to have a good time here this morning. So right now, we are in a series called I Declare War, and this is based off of a book with the same title by Levi Lusco, and the truth that we tackled last week was that each and every one of us are in a war, And, and we kind of all recognize that when we're honest with ourselves. Right? Life doesn't always feel like a playground. Honestly, it feels more like a battleground. There seems to be more struggle and stress than freedom and joy. And this is the tension that we have to deal with. And when we take a step back from the busyness of our lives and we kind of have to face the reality of our world, we find ourselves experiencing so much internal division and darkness and maybe even despair So you don't have to be a Christian to feel that darkness that's deep within our soul, the struggle to do life, the tug that there's some type of opposition that has positioned itself against us. War has been declared. And we talked about there are three different sources of opposition that we face. And as as Christians, this is just so important for us to understand because it helps us figure out how we need to win the war. That first, that we have a spiritual enemy the, the devil and his posse, these forces of darkness that entangle themselves in our world. Second, we have an enemy that's in this world, a, a worldview that works against the word of God and is hostile to his authority. And then finally, we have this third source, which is our fleshly nature. As we talked about last week, this inner man that moves towards desires instead of leaning in to disciplines, this little devil that sits on our shoulders inviting us to participate and engage in things that don't add value, but instead take away value from us. And so in order to fight the enemy in us, in order to fight the enemy around us, that we have to begin to place trust and follow the lead of God's presence in our lives, that we partner with the Holy Spirit to make moves. And so if you missed last week, go back and check it out, Facebook Live, SoundCloud, uh, podcast, but we're gonna be picking up the conversation this week from that point, because in order for our faith to be more than thoughts and words, in order for our faith to be more than just good intentions, we have to move to action. Everybody say action. action. 
I heard more women in that than I did men. Come on, men. Action. Yeah. I like it. And here's the thing. Right? We know that if faith doesn't lead to change, that if life doesn't experience some type of new way of living, then even though we've said yes to following Jesus, even though we intend to do well, even though we mean to be sources of God's light to the world, we end up being shallow and, and, and at times hypocritical, leading people away from faith because our actions are empty. You see, James really summarizes this well. James says, you can have all kinds of faith in the world, but if faith isn't put to action, then faith is dead. If there's no life, there's no change, then faith is dead. And come on, nobody wants a dead faith. Man, we want something that's living and vibrant. Does anybody believe that this morning? And so here's the thing. How do we do that? We have to lead our life with action. So I want to look at a particular passage here, 1 Thessalonians 5, 5 through 11. And we're going to be reading it from the message. And if you don't have a Bible or the Bible app, we're going to have it on the screen for you. But I want you to just pay close attention to what Paul speaks about concerning identity. And what's so incredible to me about this passage is that right in this moment, Paul is speaking at a particular church to a particular time in history. Yet we find the words that he's speaking to them echoing through time to encourage us today where we find ourselves. And that's an amazing thing that the Holy Spirit used Paul's words to bring life even to us today. So let's see what he says. Your sons of light and daughters of day. And I don't know about you, but just reading that makes me feel free already. There's already a sense of freedom to be found. That, in other words, you're, you are not the sum total of the darkness that surrounds you. That the darkness that lingers within us has been exposed to the light. You're not defined by the pain, the past, the shame, the hurts, the habits, the hang-ups. You are now a daughter of the day, a son of the light. And here's the thing, so many of us get caught up in labels and we associate our identity to the labels that others have placed on us. And the enemy is just hoping that he can get us to believe those labels because then we end up spending our time chasing our tails and going in this downward spiral instead of pursuing God's good work in the world. And when we find ourselves at these moments, we have to stop and say, wait a minute, wait a minute. I am not what the world says that I am. I am not the label that's been placed on me. I am who God says that I am. We live under open, open, wide open skies and know where we stand. So let us not sleepwalk through life like those others. Let's keep our eyes open and be smart. People sleep at night and get drunk at night, but not us. Since we're creatures of the day, let's act like it. Walk out into the daylight sober, dressed up in faith, love, and the hope of salvation. God didn't set us up for angry rejection, but for salvation by our master, Jesus Christ. He died for us, a death that triggered life. Whether we're awake with the living or asleep with the dead, we are alive in him. And we're going to focus today on verse 8 as we start off where it says, let's act like it. You see, because if we were to sum up the message of today, if you don't walk away with anything else, walk away with this idea that your daily activity should come from your godly identity. 
that your daily activity should be driven by your godly identity. You see, at the heart of what it means to be a Christian is to take on and receive a new identity. That in Jesus, we don't lose our true selves, we find our truest self. And that though we find life in Christ, it's not only about guaranteeing the life that we should experience in heaven, but it's about the down payment of that same life on earth now through his Holy Spirit. That his joy becomes our joy, that his love becomes our love, his strength becomes our strength. And when we're honest with ourselves, how often do we walk around feeling insecure? And it's interesting because people who seem to hide it best seem to be the most insecure. And it's in this insecurity that God offers us an invitation to escape the dangers of false beliefs about who we are and to find true peace and who he is and who we are in him. And this is such a gift because there are so many people running around right now experiencing this identity crisis because while studies like science can help us make sense of our world and, and how it works, it doesn't tell us our value, who we are and why we are. And when we find ourselves asking the questions like, who am I? Or what am I supposed to do with my life? Questions related to, to relationships or age or career or death. Searching for meaning or reason or passion. These are all symptoms of identity crisis. And inherently, there's an issue with our starting point because we've been taught by culture that we need to look within to figure out what we should be doing around us. But how can a created being understand its own purpose? It doesn't work that way. And it's interesting because as, as current culture continues to separate individual identity from communal identity, the identity crisis becomes more and more apparent. You see, there was once a time when you were given a role, you were given a purpose, you were given a passion. And so it took longer before identity crisis could, could settle in. But right now in culture, we find this, this sense that you need to discover who and what you are and what you believe and why you believe it at younger and younger ages. And so we find ourselves looking deep within us to our flesh and it's taking us in a wrong direction. And this is where we find more and more emphasis being placed on what we can achieve and acquire instead of what it is that we can bring to the table and contribute. Because identity has to be anchored. Otherwise, it's not an identity. The decisions we make, the life that we create, the words that we sow, the actions that we take should be rooted in, grounded in a life led by the Holy Spirit. That God's presence in us is given the space and the authority to move through us. So how do we embrace this identity? In order for this to happen, we have to act like a wolf. And you're like, what? Here's, like, we're men, right? Men like to associate, like, I'm a beast, bro. Well, today we're wolves, man. And we're going to figure out why this is such an important and remarkable analogy. Because wolves are so interesting. They're, I don't know how much you know about them, but they're these apex predators that are one of a kind. Like, they're truly incredible and remarkable, noble and noble creatures. They have these qualities that each of us should strive to activate in our own lives. And what's interesting about wolves is just like you and me, 
Each of them have their own personal identity. And not, not one personality is the same as the other. And wolves are known for their loyalty and for their strength. And what's interesting is that every wolf has a pack. Every wolf has a pack. You see, wolves are these social creatures. There's a familial devotion that provides them with protection and strength. Man, they, they stick together. They fight for each other. But when we consider the lone wolf, right, the lone wolf is weak. The lone wolf doesn't, doesn't have protection and can be easily taken out by another wolf pack. But in a pack, there's power. In a pack, there's protection. And wolves have an interesting, super like organized social structure. They separate themselves based on rank and then they honor that leadership. Like we've all heard the notorious like alpha, you know, the alpha male. But what's also interesting is that there is an alpha male and an alpha female to every pack. Ladies, we're gonna, we're gonna hit you up today a little bit because here's what I believe God intended. That there's power in both sexes. That, there's, that God intended for leadership to be with a man and a woman. Like, come on, ladies. Like, God wants you to be brave, to see yourself as a child of the king, to be daring, to know that you're capable in his hand to accomplish great things. And it doesn't stop there. Because there's also these other kinds of wolves called beta wolves, which is kind of just like the other, there's, there's, there, and there can be several of them, but they help keep the pack in line, following the direction of the alpha. And then there's another wolf that I want to look at that's called the alpha wolf, which is the, the, the runt of the litter, the last on the totem pole. But its role is so vitally important to the health of the pack because omega wolves, they, they act like jokesters. Like they're okay with like getting made fun of and, you know, because it's all about boosting morale. It's like you can poke at me because I'm, I'm, you know, I'm secure, man. And this is interesting because much like the body of Christ, each of us has a gift to contribute to the body that God has guided us to, to the pack that we get the privilege to serve. Life is better together. And so the question is, who do you do life with? Who is in your pack? Who has your back? Who's there to protect you when life hits you sideways? Or to protect you from yourself? Because, you know, guys, you know this for sure. Man, we do some dumb stuff. And we enjoy doing it. And we'll do it again, even after breaking an arm. And this is so important for us to understand because identity is not just about the individual. Identity is found in community with others and unity with God. It's not about what you consume. It's about what you contribute. You know, it's said that you are the sum average of your five closest friends. And if you want a faith that's fueled, focused, on fire for Jesus, then you need some friends who are all about that, some friends who are fueled and focused and on fire for Jesus and whose life is being changed because you're gonna rise or fall to the level of your pack. Who are you rolling with? And is it time to make a change? And this is why we offer life groups. Come on, you knew that was coming. <laughs> we provide an on-ramp for you to get into a pack, to find a group. And, and here's the thing, if you call LifePoint home, groups are not a recommendation. They are an expectation. 
if you don't have friends in faith, that's not our fault. Because we try to make it as easy as possible for you to find friends and make relationships. There is a pack for you, a place where you can find encouragement, where you can do life with others, where you can pray together, stand together in the good times and in the bad. There's a pack for you. Don't be a lone wolf and then sit back and say, well, no one ever reached out to me. That's a cop-out. Find a pact. Next, to act like a wolf, you have to consider your posture. And <laughs> You're like, what? Your posture, like literally how you carry yourself. You know when your parents used to be like, you know, shoulders back, arm, you know, head up, whatever? Nobody? Nobody's parents said that to you? They didn't slap you upside the head? Okay. Well, mine did. Dad, you did abuse. He's in here somewhere. Okay, posture is such an important role in our lives. And this is, what's, this is what's, kind of, what's kind of weird. Research on wolf packs shows that they can predict the success of a wolf based on its posture in the pack. Like they can literally tell who's going to catch the next meal, who's going to mesh well with, with the others in the group, who's going to be the next alpha simply by paying attention to ears up, ears down, you know, uh, bristled fur, tail up, tail down, the weirdest things. They are all indicators of posture. And so not surprising, some serious research has been done connecting powerful links between posture and mood in humans. So there's this philosophy known as embodied cognition. And it's this idea that the relationship between our mind and our body is a two-way street. That our mind influences the way that our body reacts, but our body can also trigger our mind. And so in, 20, in 2012, Amy Cuddy did a popular TED Talk about power poses. And this was interesting because she said that we can literally change the way that we feel about ourselves. And the research that she shared was so mind-blowing. Just Google it when you have time this week. And what's interesting is posture reflects a nonverbal communication. Right? It's, it's communicating something to those around you and to yourself that it's connected to your thoughts, your feelings, and your psychology or sociology, which means that you can choose based on what you know how to respond and change what's going on within you if you're paying attention. Like literally, if you're having a bad day, she had this example, go and get a pen and bite on it for a little while. And you're going to be weird and people are going to laugh at you. But you're going to end up feeling better in the long run. And this is, where, this is where I find it so fascinating because we never see in the book of Psalms, right, the writers telling us to come into God's house with our head low, our hands in our pockets, or our arms crossed. What does it say? That God is the lifter of our head. That when we come into his house, we come with shouts and praise and thanksgiving. We lift our arms. Just this stance right here is, is a victory pose. And they did research that if you were to do this for 15 minutes, 15 seconds, one of the two, you can look it up. <laughs> that it actually changes your chemistry within you. And as if you see dudes running around this week, it's because what happens is it amps up your testosterone levels, making you feel better. Ladies, you know what's happening if you guys running around like this this week. The Bible is, is trying to remind us that we, if we pay attention to our posture, it reminds us who is in control. Now, right now, you might be like, this is the most unspiritual message I've ever heard. 
But is it? Because our physical world and our spiritual world are so connected that sometimes the most spiritual things you can do are taking practical steps. And here's what I think, this is where I think we get challenged. You see, because I don't believe that God shows up until what you're facing is impossible for you to handle. I don't think that God is going to show up in your world and help you out until what you face is impossible for you to handle. Which begs the question, how much of what you struggle with is within your ability to change? And while you're sitting on your hands waiting for God to move, God is waiting on you. We want God to make these amazing leaps, help us make these amazing leaps of faith in our lives, while God's just looking for us to take one small step. Some of the issues that we face don't require God to move mountains. You just need to move. And this is where we have to start cutting out some unhealthy habits, like practically speaking. Right? It doesn't take a rocket scientist or a pastor to tell you that healthy living requires healthy habits. And it's funny because we know this, but a lot of us don't necessarily treat our body very well. And we most definitely don't treat it like the temple that God asks us to in Scripture. We live from desire to desire, never challenging our bodies physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, giving our flesh the upper hand and shutting out the Spirit's ability to speak to us in our lives. And it's no wonder why we can't hear God's voice. Our physical self and our spiritual self are connected. And a lot of us already know that, which brings us to another place that a lot of us get caught up in. Knowledge. We have, we have idolized knowledge in this culture to the extent that how much you know is somehow a factor of how, of how smart and intelligent you are, how wealthy you can be. But there's a world of difference between knowing what to do and doing what you know. There's a world of difference between knowing what to do and doing what you know. And we have to stop priding ourselves on how much we know and start doing. Knowledge is a false security because learning is only limited to action. It's no good if you don't put it to work. What do you need to start doing? Pay attention to your pack. Pay attention to your posture. And some of us, we need to start working on our pregame. Pregame? What? Let's talk about it. Because I'm not talking about, you know, while you're in the game and the clock's ticking down and, and stuff's happening. That's not what I'm talking about. You see, wolves give thought to their pregame. Now, this, is, this was super interesting. In a book called American Wolf, which kind of talks about the relocation of wolves from Canada to the Yellowstone National Park, super interesting, but not right now. This is what it said that when wolves are getting ready to hunt, they often gather together to howl before setting on a nightly hunt. And apparently this is kind of a morale-boosting exercise where the howl often follows this rally, this exuberant display of affection in which wolves are leaping on top of each other, forming a furry pile of tail-wagging bodies. Now, how many of you guys know that when your bro's down, 
Man, you're like, man, come on, you push him. Or like, you know, you verbally abuse him in a healthy way. Like, come on, bro, you're a loser, but you got this. This is what they're talking about. That, that, that kind of getting, you know, they're, 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 they're pushing each other to, to rise to the occasion, to stand up. And it's funny because if, if wolves have the common sense to fire themselves up before the game, why do we walk into our world without giving some thought to what's going on inside our souls before we go to conquer our days? Like if you know you have a tense meeting coming up, shouldn't you give some thought to what's going on in your head and in your heart before just walking right in? Like we brush our hair, you know, we, we put on the right clothes, you brush your teeth, maybe some of you, <laughs> I hope. But why would you not want to take some time to ground yourself in God's word? Take some time to listen to some worship music that would get some positive thoughts going on inside of you. What's your pregame like? Do you have one? Do you need one? Does it need to change? Then, if we're going to learn how to act like creatures of the day, we're going to need to learn how to use some props. Because sometimes action requires acting. Like, think about this. Think about your favorite movie. The props on the scene, on the set, right, weren't put there by accident. They help enhance the scene. Everything there has been carefully curated and placed there by the prop master. Now, maybe you didn't notice this, but there's a wardrobe mentioned in our text from earlier, 1 Thessalonians 5.8. Let's look at this again. It says, acting as creatures of the day, dressed up in faith, love, and the hope of salvation. In other words, there are some things that we have to put on. It's not natural to us. It's not natural for us. It's not a native thing. Acting requires props. And when we look at the definition of acting, this is what I found. Something used in creating or enhancing a desired effect. You see, the goal of the Christian life is to move pleasing God. That's the effect we want. That's the life that we want. That's what he bought for us on the cross. But there's a second definition that says something that props or sustains. And when we look at the two of these, I actually think it's two definitions help line up that they're one. Because when you think, when you're giving thoughts to the props that you have in your life, I think you're also going to find something propping you up. Something that helps keep you sustained and moving forward. Like one of the most obvious props that you can use in your life is the Word of God, the Bible. Like when you're having a bad day, when things aren't going well, when you need some strength, some joy, some encouragement, I don't know a better book that you can go to that can speak to where you are and where you're at because it's not just a book. It's alive in a way that you can only know through experience and action by picking it up and reading its pages and letting it read you back. Maybe you need something a little more practical to start. Like maybe you just have some greed issues, some lust issues. Maybe you need to start writing down the things that you are grateful for in your life. A study showed that just by taking a journal and once a week writing down the three things that you're grateful for can improve your happiness by 25%. 25%. It's a habit that I do in my life 
and I use something, a prop to help get me through. To take it a step further, I even sometimes use sticky notes. And, and when I know that I have a goal that I'm trying to work for or something that I'm trying to accomplish, I'll write down encouraging stuff on these notes and put them all over the place. And it's annoying to my wife, but it's good for my soul. And it helps keep me in the right directions. The props help sustain the momentum of moving forward, of taking the right steps. What is it going to take for you to take on a real faith? How, what's going to help you suit up to own the identity that God is waiting for you to step into? You see, in, in his book, Mere Christianity, C.S. Lewis unpacks this with, with this quote. He says, very often, the only way to get equality in reality is to start behaving as if you already had it. Can't argue with that guy. He's smart. Some of us also need to consider. Maybe there are some props in our world that we need to begin to take out. Some props that are leading us in the wrong direction. Some things that we've allowed into our environments that when we see it, it causes us to act in a way that doesn't take us towards the future that we want. For some of us, it's some friends. For some of us, it's, it's some habits, maybe an app on your phone, a bottle on the shelf. Whatever it is for you, props can add as well as take away from who it is that you want to be. What is helping you move into the identity that God has for you? Because at the end of the day, our pack, our posture, our pregame, and our props help set, set us up to step into the identity we have in Christ or we can begin to shift our actions in alignment to his word and his plan for our life, to understand the part that we have to play in our community. I want to read you another verse, Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. And it says, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. A life by faith is not led by what you feel. It's led by what you know is right. Don't do what you feel. Do what's right. There's power in activity rooted in identity. You just got to take action. You know, there's, there's one more point I'd like to make about the posture of wolves. And this, this was really interesting to me because when coming into a wolf's den, wolves will slide on their belly, bowing before the alpha as they come in. And the last one to enter into the den is the omega. And no one bows lower than the omega. And what's so powerful in this to me is that scripture tells us that God is the alpha and the omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. And what's so incredible is that God was willing to lower himself before us to become a man and not just any man, but the lowest man, a servant dying on a cross, the death that triggered life. 
And the encouragement that I find in this is that God made the first to move. That he was willing to bow for me, someone of no worth, someone of no value, to show me how much I meant to him. We should live a life bowing low before Jesus, our Alpha, our Omega. And there's so much power in worship and in surrender. And when stuff is messed up in your world, when you come into this place, your response should, should not be to just stand there, but to engage, to lift up your head, to, to raise your arms, to engage with his presence, to take that step of identity in your life so he can begin to move in you. Because the brand new life that we have in Christ only takes place when we move. It starts with words, but it takes shape and form through action. In Christ, we are the sons of the light and the daughters of the day. There's a new nature, a new future, a new identity, a new story for each and every one of us, bought for us by Jesus on a cross. Don't sit back and let your life slip through your hands. Move. Move, move, take action. Let's pray. God, we just come before you today. God, we pray that you would give us the strength to live in our brand new identity. God, that whatever it is that we find ourselves warring through each week, fighting our way through, that we could hear your voice, God, calling us and pulling us into a new direction, a new way of living, where we learn, God, to walk by faith and not by sight, where we take, God, what it is that you're telling us and we act on it. God, I pray that you would partner with us as we seek to help you come alive in our world. While every head is bowed and every eye is still closed, if at some point today you felt the pull that there's an action that you need to take from as simple as getting a journal to as big as joining a group and God is inviting you into something new, that this message has somehow brought awareness to an area of your life where you need to begin to move while nobody's looking around, would you just raise your hand in God's presence? Thank you, thank you, thank you. Hands are going up everywhere. Thank you. God, we just ask today that you would help us remember that we are creatures of the day. God, exposed to the light that our past, our shames, our habits, God, wouldn't hold us back to the identity that we need to step into with you. God, help us to rise to the occasion, to fight like a wolf, to take action in our life. In your name we pray, amen. Hope you enjoyed the podcast today. If this ministry has impacted you in any way and you'd like to help us continue to reach others, please visit lifepointsa.com slash give to make a donation. We hope you have a great rest of your week and we hope to see you soon at one of our Sunday worship experiences. God bless.